0: Welcome to Where R.A. Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name's Ingrid, and I'm tonight's co-host, a junior from Marietta, California, studying business, and I'll be an RA in Third North.
1: And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Ingrid. How is the summer going for you?
0: I love it. Right now, I'm a PA, a program assistant in Founders Hall right now, working with high school students. Last summer, we just had 650 students move in, and it was fantastic meeting nearly all of them. I was working in the elevator shaft. So so you
1: did get to meet everybody. That's (laughs) great. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and you'll be an RA this year in?
0: Third North.
1: Third North. Are you excited about that?
0: Absolutely. I'll be having an exploration floor. Which one? It'll be theater arts. Ah, Mm -hmm. so
1: what got you interested in the theater world?
0: I know a lot of people ask me that. I'm studying business right now, but I've always loved entertainment. I've loved theater. I did Shakespeare back in high school. So it's my way of trying to figure out how can I, you know, celebrate what I love to do. And that's through an exploration floor.
1: Favorite role in Shakespeare?
0: Oh, my goodness. I always had small roles, but I was Valentina in Twelfth Night. Wow. I can't really remember what that character did though. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. no, Shakespeare's hard.
0: yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And you always enjoy doing more plays than musicals.
0: You know, I would love to do a musical, but I'm very afraid of singing in public. so right. I stay to plays.
1: Well, I'll give you an, uh, an idea for you to think okay. about. You all used to do this. They did mm-hmm. the twenty four hour musical where they got students to audition and they presented the next night. Wow. (laughs) It's it's amazing. So think about that for, for, for your community. Who's our guest tonight?
0: Today, our guest is Leah Goodstadt, who served as an RA in Weinstein for Ryan Sylvester during the 2003 to 2005 academic years. Welcome, Leah, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure to have you on.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
0: How are you doing and where are you right now?
2: I'm doing great. I am at home in Austin, New York in Westchester County, just about 40 miles north of the city where I live with my husband and my two sons.
1: Congratulations, Leah. It has been a long time since we have seen you walking the floors of Weinstein Hall. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you've done uh, briefly since you left NYU and then we're going to go into detail. So we'll start with that.
2: Okay, I've been more or less living in New York since I graduated. I did a two-year stint in Boston, but came back to the city. been working. I did a part-time master's degree program at Columbia, so I was working and going to school concurrently, which was an interesting experience. <laughs> and yeah, I've been keeping busy.
0: Let's jump back to your time at Washington Square. What did you study while you are at NYU?
2: I was a gender and sexuality studies major with a minor in fine arts and, not fine arts, I guess it was art history. I shouldn't oversell. <laughs> it was art history and economics. So I was really trying to get that well-rounded liberal arts experience, I think. So yeah, really covered a, a range of topics there.
1: Were you involved in extracurricular activities outside of the RA position?
2: I really was it? I was, when I saw that question, I was like, you know, I don't know that I fully took advantage of all the extracurricular activities that NYU had to offer. I really just loved being in New York. And I feel like spending time in the city was a big kind of unofficial extracurricular activity for me. And then, you know, even before I was an RA, I was, I did kind of in retrospect, what seemed like related things that were, I was like a DAS orientation leader the summer before I started being an RA. And then even before that, I did some kind of like ambassadorship and I worked part-time at the office of student life. So I was like really into kind of that kind of stuff, but I didn't do a ton of like clubs and other types of activities that I think I could have done. Besides that, I was really just like wanted to be in New York and hang out with my friends. Good for you. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was. I think I do something very similar. Did you always want to be an RA while you were in undergrad?
2: I mean, I think I had that idea that I wanted to do something that felt like guiding other people and offering my expertise, which is kind of how I came to do those other positions before starting to be an RA. So I, I don't know that I kind of fully understood what it was and what it would entail, but I definitely was felt like I was headed in that in that general direction.
1: What was it like to be on the Weinstein staff? I I just remember going and visiting and there was a lot of fun. And the front desk was a really great a hub for you all to congregate.
2: It's true. I had forgotten about that. And the stoop. It was really all about the stoop. I don't know if that's still a thing, but man, that was like the place to be. I think it's not the most new of the home <laughs> <Right, right, right. laughs> so. you know as still probably even older now than it was so i remember like there was a little bit of like i had friends who got placed at newer dorms i had a friend still a close friend of mine who was an R at 13th street which was really new at the time i don't know if that's still around mm-hmm. and then he's like oh weinstein you know like uh it was like, you know maybe didn't have the best reputation in terms of aesthetic but from like a a proximity to campus and b just like that's where there were multiple dining hall situations. Everyone was kind of coming in and out of there all the time. And so you could just sit on a stoop and like see everybody. And so it was really, really, really fun.
0: Wow. Oh, I do have to say I love the dining halls over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of choice. Lots of choices. Upstein. And the Chick-fil-A. Oh. <laughs> was a big,
2: that was a big deal. But my second year when they redid the food court with like the Quiznos and it was the only Chick-fil-A. Now there's one near my office on 42nd Street and it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: it was Burger King before that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it wasn't as good, I feel like. No, and no, then it became yeah, yeah. like very, very popular and everyone's yeah. using up all their like dining dollars on Chick-fil-A. It's
0: still here. So what kind of relationships did you have with your residents at Weinstein? I think
2: positive ones. You know, I, I gotta say I was lucky as an RA. Like, I If you guys can believe this, I was two years as an RA plus like some stuff over the summers, never once had to do a hospital run. I don't know how that happened. That's and unusual. I think I only had to do like a few disciplinary reports, like in all the times I was on duty. Like I do feel like the way that the dice were rolled for me, like I, I kind of got to do probably more of the fun stuff than some other people did. I had that going for me, I think. And I liked the kind of near peer relationship of being somebody who was close in age, but not, exactly the same age so like who had a little bit more experience to share and I really I remember you know we just had a lot of fun I think others have mentioned kind of from that era of Weinstein we had the co-RAs so both years I had somebody else who I was kind of sharing duties with and so I think that even contributed to this like feeling of like we were like the moms of the floor and we kind of got to you know, we had to form a relationship with each other. And then together, we got to form a relationship with our residents. So it was really, it was special. It was really cool.
1: What were the big issues happening on campus during your time as being an RA?
2: Uh, this question made me not laugh, but I do feel like I was trying to remember kind of what was probably some of the stuff that still is topical at the time. I definitely remember there was a lot of, there was some a lot of protesting and kind of angst around the idea of divesting from fossil fuels, like that was a thing even then, which I feel like I don't know how much progress has been made. Um, I had a friend who um, was really involved in kind of working to unionize some of the teaching assistants. So that was something that was kind of on my radar. And then I, you know, as a gender and sexuality, you know, slash women's studies kind of for short major, you know, a lot around reproductive choice and women's rights was on my radar personally.
0: What skills did you gain from this role as an RA?
2: This is something I've been thinking a lot about. I think that even beyond the professional and really just kind of how it shaped me as a person who values relationships, I think as I've come to progress in my career, in my life, I've kind of really distilled what I'm good, good at down to a few things and relationships is definitely one of them. And I think that's partially kind of just who I am as a person. But I also think that the training that we got and how to handle both our own, you know, our own interpersonal dynamics with our residents, but also then in how to help facilitate other people like the the members of the floor to have relationships with each other, I think, so much of that has really become ingrained in me from everything to like how I parent, which sounds silly, but I just feel like some of so much of it is like this essence in terms of like how you speak and how you articulate your feelings and use I statements. I statements is something that will stick with me forever in terms of, you know, helping mediate conflict, which is something I feel like I did do a lot of in both my years in terms of roommate conflict. And those are just skills that are so critical no matter where you go. And I use them with my almost four-year-old and I use them in my professional life.
1: (laughs) That's great. Leah, let's talk a little bit about your career, uh, where you are now and and how you got there. What were those moments in time when you transitioned from one position to another? What What helped make that transition work for
2: you? I think the biggest thing for me has been about who I know. I really have gotten to every job that I've ever had because somebody introduced me to someone else or, you know, told me about an open position or things like that, which kind of goes back to the relationships theme. When I started to see kind of that my career was going to be something that was going to unfold naturally and contain a lot of transitions, I think that in and of itself helped me. I was for a very long time focused on like, what was I going to be when I grew up? and i didn't want to have a lot of transitions i just like wanted to know and i didn't know and that caused me like a lot of angst that i think in retrospect really could have been avoided i grew up with a girl who from the time she was like 9 years old we were in fourth grade and she like knew she wanted to be a doctor you know her dad was a doctor and she wanted to be a doctor and to her credit she is now a doctor a very successful one And she never wavered from that path. And I was so envious of that because like she knew and she was working hard and she was pursuing it. And then like, you know, she, she got there and I never had that clarity of purpose. And like, I wanted it so bad. And I think that what I have eventually come to realize is that like, that's a very rare thing. And when you're 18, 20 years old, you don't even know what all the jobs that are out there are. Like you have these kind of broad senses of categories probably, but I didn't, I couldn't have articulated the job titles of many of the jobs I've had. And I think I've kind of come to accept and really embrace how my career has unfolded naturally. And I always tell people who come to me, you know, for informational interviews or advice, like, you know, it feels like this, like a game of, you know, it's like stepping stones, right? You can only step from where you are, right? You can't. You can't jump over everything to the end. You, you make a choice and you step and then you you are where you are and you make another choice from there. And if there's one thing I wish I could have really known and understood when I was 18, that that would have been it. <laughs>
0: That's
1: some great advice. You know, it's so helpful to hear that because I do think that there's so much pressure on students today to know what it is you want to do and be prepared for that next step, and then that question, that awful question in your senior. You know,
2: everyone asks you at the part senior of year,
1: "What are you gonna do when you graduate?" Right?
2: It tortured me. It tortured me, and it and it almost led me to make some what would have been not great choices for myself because I was just really like desperate for that path. And I think that luckily I was smart enough to listen to my instinct kind of before it was too late, but I started kind of just fabricating answers out of thin air because I didn't know what else to say. Like I knew that I wanted to do something kind of vaguely like good for the world and like social justice minded. And so then I would tell people like when I first graduated and I was working a job that I wasn't quite sure where it was going to lead, and people would be like, Oh, what do you want to do with your career? Where do you want to go from here? And I would say, like, you know, nonprofit administration. But I didn't even really know what that was. Like, it was just a thing that, like, vaguely sounded like in the ballpark of what I thought I wanted to be doing. And one, like, pivotal moment for me, and I'll never forget. So I was working in an agency and I was doing kind of like uh, project management. So I was doing a lot of like managing of client project budgets and timelines and that sort of thing. And I'll never forget like being in a conference room, working on like a year end budgeting thing with an older, you know, she was probably maybe five or six years older than me, woman who I worked with and saying like, I really don't like budgets. I don't like, I don't like the numbers part of this. I don't like, you know, whatever. And she was like, well, what do you, what do you think nonprofit administration <laughs> is? Like so much of that is fundraising and like managing a budget. And I was like, I still feel that feeling so clear. Like I almost fell like off my chair onto the floor. Like I was struck dumb. I had not thought for once about what the content of the job would be. And that is the other piece of advice that I always give is like the general concept matters and like what you want to accomplish from a purpose perspective matters. But what really matters is like what you are going to be doing when you sit down at your desk or whatever it is every single day. And I hadn't thought about that for like one second. And I was like, oh, I don't like to do anything. So that's what saved me from like going to business school <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. Like no, <laughs> <offensive, right? laughs> no worries. No worries. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go to business school. And I like remember like barely opening, like, cracking the cover of a GMAT book and being like, oh, like this is a lot of math. I don't think I want to be doing this. And I was like, oh, what would I be doing in business school? Probably a lot of math. Like that's not what I like. And what I like is writing. And I've always liked writing, even from when I was a kid and it finally like started to become clear to me was that like, I was like, communications was the right path for me. And that once I kind of figured that out, like, oh, this is something that I just enjoy doing, that has really helped me so much find work that I actually like for the most part. And it's taken various forms. But um, luckily, at the time when I was doing this like program management job, it was at an agency that was ultimately doing communication. So it wasn't like I was that far off. I had somehow managed to find myself in like the general vicinity, but that was really kind of how, how I got to be in a place that I think ultimately I've been happy in my career.
0: Yeah, thank you for answering that. How did you get engaged in the type of work that you do today? How did you get into your current role?
2: I mean through this kind of winding pathway like I started my career in the agency world and I worked at a couple of different places I started getting involved in some corporate responsibility work when I was doing when I was in, living in Boston I worked for an agency that specializes in kind of developing corporate responsibility and corporate philanthropy programs for companies and then when I moved back to New York one of my clients reached out to me and said you know we're looking to hire somebody internally to come work for you know help us manage the program that you helped create would you be interested And so then I left the agency world and went to work client side and that's or at the same time I had just gotten accepted to this program at Columbia to get a master's in strategic communications which I thought was like going to be the thing that helped me finally figure out like what my actual dream job was going to be then I got a job offer and I was like okay I guess I'll just try both of these things at once. From there, I kind of started to get more specialized into corporate responsibility, but also more specialized into communications, which ultimately led me to where I am now, where I was most recently working in a job that was doing communications specifically for the corporate responsibility function. And with it, just a few months ago, transitioned roles at the same company where now I'm overseeing two of our major internal communications platforms. So I've stepped away a little bit from the corporate responsibility work and I'm doing internal communications for that reach 50,000 employees. We do a twice a week email newsletter that I edit and oversee. And also I oversee the content strategy for our intranet site, which we just launched a month or so ago. So that's been a new, a new role for me. So it's kind of, yeah, that winding path of kind of one thing leading to another. And yeah,
0: here I am. Wow, that sounds exciting. What are some of (laughs) that really does sound exciting. I'm, I love hearing about your career path. What are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned from this current role?
2: I think the biggest thing with this role was that it really has been a bit of a stretch for me before I took this role, almost 10 years of experience doing the corporate responsibility stuff. And you know, I needed to take a break from that. I felt like I was getting a little bit too niche. And to be honest, I, I was starting to feel a little bit cynical about some of the work I was doing and just a little bit jaded. And that's never a good feeling. And so when this opportunity came along, it was, I think the lesson was to trust myself to learn something new when I hadn't really felt challenged to learn something new in a while and know that it would be okay to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. And I think the flip side of that is it's so rewarding. You know, you have that feeling of like a little bit of panic, but it can be really motivating when you can overcome it and actually get to the point where you feel like you've mastered a new skill or are really like learning a new element to add to your professional portfolio or repertoire or whatever. And that's really been a lot of what this this most recent role transition has been for me.
1: Leah, we've, you've talked a number of times about corporate responsibility for our listeners who really want to work in the private sector, doing good work and, and helping. What does that really mean? What is corporate responsibility?
2: I think it really ranges depending on the actual corporation. I think it's generally accepted to mean kind of the good things that a company is doing for society whether it be working with nonprofits, running their own pro bono projects where they're giving away their services for a discount or for free, whether it's what they're doing to combat climate change and and help the environment. I think where it is really in flux right now is around the idea of how much do those things intersect? Like how much of a separation is there really between like quote unquote business and quote unquote society? Like we all live on the same planet. We all breathe the same air. Like why are these two things separate when a business is going to be just as affected by, let's say, rising sea levels as a, a human individual? And so I think there's a lot of kind of tension right now between what can business kind of card out as being business only versus things that affect society. So it's a really interesting time. I think where I have struggled is to understand and be okay with kind of the fact that business is always going to be business and in it to make money at the end of the day. And like, what does that mean for the good works? Like, are they just kind of meant to kind of put a halo on something that might otherwise not be super positive and like what is my role in creating that halo as a communications person so this is getting this is getting deep but this is what i've been kind of wrestling with and why I kind of felt like I need to like detox from it a little bit to understand if it is something that I want to kind of come back to further on in my career.
0: These are the answers that I was looking for. There you go. <laughs> I'm very curious. <laughs> it seems that we're learning a lot more about corporate social responsibility at NYU Stern, but I'm trying to figure out what does it mean for the business side. Yeah. And I've been wondering with all this public pressure for corporate social responsibility, it's hard to figure out where the intentions are behind some of the business decisions.
2: Exactly. I'll, I'll tell you, there's a book called Winners Take All by a man named Anand Girardos. And that book is really kind of what turned me on my head a little bit because he has a lot to say around what he thinks business like should or shouldn't be doing and kind of some of the almost more negative things that some of these programs can do in how they mask Corporations who aren't paying their taxes, or a whole bunch of other things, not to kind of really get too cynical, but it is an if you're interested in this kind of concept that I'm talking about, that book has a very particular perspective that i'm guessing you might not get at stern (laughs) (laughs) definitely i'll
0: take a look into it thank you so much for that recommendation
2: (laughs) and i'm always happy to discuss it at a later date i find it i mean i'm fascinated that i spent a lot of my life kind of in this world and i find i still find it fascinating even though i'm not doing it in my day-to-day job right now
0: thank you for that what are the changing issues facing your industry
2: I mean, I think that's so that's kind of the corporate responsibility side that I just talked about a little bit. I think, you know, from a communications perspective, it's something that like we all struggle with, which is just like attention spans are getting shorter all the time. And I work at a place that has a fairly young median age of a population. So I think the median age of our workforce is like 27 or 28. So, and I'm, almost 36 so I feel like for me personally one of the issues is that like I'm older than the people that I'm supposed to be communicating to and they have grown up in a in a different world even though they're only like 10 years younger than I am and so for me personally but it's kind of a larger issue is like what grabs people's attention especially when you're communicating you know, at the end of the day about stuff that's related to work. Like, what do they want to pay attention to? What will they click? What will they read? It's kind of the same thing that so many people are struggling to figure out. And mine just happens to kind of be within this ecosystem of of my company and, and our internal communications work.
1: What are you most proud of in your career to date, Leah?
2: I think this most recent transition that I've made and, and kind of giving myself permission to do something else and, and push myself a little bit. And I think also, just being true to my values and how I conduct myself in the workplace, like I've mentioned like I, relationships are very important to me, and kind of building strong interpersonal relationships with coworkers as a big part of kind of how I do business, so to speak. And even though I've been in situations where I don't think that's been kind of as valued, by others that I work with, but I feel like I'm proud that I've really never wavered from that in terms of at my core, like being a good person, treating other people well, going out of my way to mentor others and and connect with others and like bring other people kind of along with me. I've always known that that was important to me. Certainly connects back to being an RA. And I really have managed to kind of keep that front and center in my career, even when it hasn't always been easy.
0: Do you still stay in contact with other RA alums? If so, whom? It's shout-out time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I think you, you guys were Tom talked to Bridget, who's like one of my Bridget Mallet, who was with me both years at Weinstein. She is one of my best friends. We talk and text like almost literally every single day. And Jenny Pierce, Azam, who is married to Joe Azam, also some of my best friends and Jenny and I were friends before we became RAs. We were roommates and we applied together and are still very, very close. Tammy and Mize, who I mentioned, who had been at 13th Street, is also, um, she, Jenny and I all did, I think it was called RA Academy, whatever we did to apply, RA Institute, we were all in that together. We actually applied together. We still are very close friends.
1: That's awesome. Leah, now it's time for speed round. I'll start with the first question. (laughs) Your all-time favorite book?
2: Oh, my God. That's such a hard one. Are you kidding? I love to read, and I love to read fiction. I will say, I don't know if this is my all-time favorite, but I'll say The Goldfinch, because I really, really did love that book.
1: Good book. I did it with RA Book Club last year.
2: Oh, nice. What is your best RA training moment? Oh, my gosh. So this is funny. Like, I was thinking about this as it relates to some of the other questions, but the day that I showed up at Weinstein for my first year, I was the start of my junior year. It was the night before training was supposed to start was the massive blackout of 2003. So I literally like moved my stuff in, went with Jenny, actually. She had just moved into to wherever she was, Second Street, I think. And we went to like, go pick something up and we were on a subway train while the power went out. That was just, like, one of the craziest experiences ever, especially because I was in New York for my freshman year during 9-11. So there was this, like, initial, like, what's going on here? And then the kind of just the mood and, like, the joyousness in the city when people realized that it was just a accidental thing that had happened. And it wasn't actually anything terrible. And I will never forget the soup of Weinstein everyone was just sitting out that night. It was my very first night. I was like kind of nervous about meeting people. I didn't know who was going to be there. And it was just like, that was the thing that kind of started it all off. And we were all just sitting out in the dark, eating ice cream that they were giving away from the deli because it was going to melt.
1: This melts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that night. I remember that night. Favorite NYU professor?
2: Uh, my, my intro to gender studies professor, Abdul Hadi, was definitely very in, influential in kind of putting me on that path to be interested in, in gender issues and opening my eyes to a lot of the issues that I'm still very, very passionate about today.
0: Favorite RA program you planned? Oh my
2: gosh. I'm <laughs> supposed to remember? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need some tips. I need oh ideas for my, my next gosh. event.
2: <laughs> I, I got to really rack my brain for this one. You know, it's funny. I can I cannot think of anything especially exciting off the top of my head but something that I reference very like frequently in my professional life is just how much people respond to free pizza and I think that (laughs) we have our equivalent of that like in the workplace where like we do contests that like incentivize people and that's one way to get people to pay attention back to my previous comment about like what's going to get people to kind of show up virtually to whatever we're doing and I always kind of use the analogy of like at the end of the day people just like want to eat food So I think that like that was probably whatever my great event was, I'm sure it involved free food. (laughs) I bet
1: most RAs it does. Finally, what do you miss most about living in a residence hall?
2: Oh, man, I loved living at Weinstein. I loved the community. I was so kind of just swept up in all of it and the ability to kind of just have so many friends who were just like basically like living on top of each other, literally, and just Up and down stairs to go see people And say hi to people And that sense of community I think is just so so special And I certainly see how I've kind of Tried to recreate it in my life in other ways But it's not something that like You really get to do In the quote unquote real world And I I definitely miss that Kind of just that everyday Personal connection that that I've had With so many people that I truly Loved working with and loved spending time with
1: That's great And heartfelt, you can tell, truly.
0: Leah, thanks so much for spending some time with us to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream school alumni version of life.
1: Special thanks to my engineer, Juliana Fonseca-Alesso, and our executive director and executive producer, Duncan Lemieux and Shahara. And to the current professional staff and alums of NYU like Ryan Sylvester, who helped great RAs like Leah gain skills along the way. Leah, it has been a pleasure to have you back in the fold on this 30-minute conversation, uh, which was longer. And your impact certainly was felt for many years after the words. You're living a true great life and so value-centered. It really seems like the core values you learned at NYU are really a part of your days today. And we thank you for that role modeling that you continue to do for us.
2: Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. No, I appreciate so much the ability to have the conversation and thank you for having me.
1: You're most welcome. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the newly unveiled NYU RA alumni website at whereranow.webflow.io, which lists RA favorite books, pictures of all time favorite RAs and alumni accomplishments. Until next time, think about how you can learn to teach it to others. Have a great night.